0: long gardening program on uh, this mixed Saturday morning mm. porrick good morning to good you morning, I hear there. Yeah,
1: it is very mixed, isn't it? it like is. an, I was listening to your weather forecast, and certainly uh, there's been a lot of heavy showers. Uh, but it's good to hear that the temperatures are mild. Yeah. So we're between what 14 and 15 degrees Celsius. Yeah, so it's great. it's not
0: too bad. Um, mm. One can get out and about and do a few jobs. We yeah, can. yeah. I did I did a few jobs <laughs> myself during the week. Cause no grass cutting, but I did a bit of digging. So I felt yeah. as if I really had uh, been put in a good week in the garden.
1: And the cold, the, those cold winds have have disappeared now. Mm-hmm. So we're into that northerly. Uh, Airstream. So it's milder temperatures, really strong growth. I mean, look at the growth that plants have made in the last... Um
0: even the last seven days since we were talking days, last week. Exactly.
1: Yeah. When you get that heat that we got two weeks ago into the soil and then you get moisture after that, which we've got, you get fantastic growth and the growth has been very slow this year. So hopefully things are catching up. It's lovely to see a lot of plants coming into flower. I was admiring the laburnums are just beginning, the golden rain tree just yeah, beginning just, to flower yeah. in gardens. Lovely. Yeah. Just in
0: and just, I was even yesterday with driving and I could see, you know, just that l- that start of the lush, lush greenness yeah, coming on definitely. to everything which is, yeah. is, is, is kind of always makes me feel really good. Um, I do love this time of year I have to say in terms of gardens and plants and just growing in general. We're going to talk about sweet potatoes though for us today. Yeah
1: yeah, this is the time of year um, for growing sweet potatoes and of course sweet potato comes comes to us from the South Americas, uh, from Peru it, mm-hmm. You know, it was grown, you know, just looking it up last night, it was actually grown 5,000 BC, believe it or not. Really? It can date back the growing of, of sweet potatoes. And uh, even though it's, it's not in the potato family, it's not in the Solanacea family, it's actually in, it's related to our uh, very common weed in Ireland, the, the um, bindweed. The convolvulus you know the one yes. that wraps, wraps itself, itself up around. around yes yeah and and sweet potatoes grow in that similar fashion they're a binding type of plant so they tend to wrap themselves around sticks or, or branches or in the wild that they, they they wrap around exactly like convolvulus or bindweed uh, grows and the flowers are not dissimilar but the difference is that sweet potato produces a lovely big potato sized uh, root, root yeah. and that's what we eat and if they're grown at this time of year they are frost sensitive like tomatoes so you cannot put them out of doors certainly until probably the first week of June and to be honest I would grow them indoors if you can if you've got yourself a greenhouse a tunnel a conservatory somewhere warm uh, somewhere bright then you grow sweet potatoes very, very well. And commercially, they're starting to grow them here in Ireland. Mm. There are a number of growers that actually have got, particularly um, particularly coming out of the States, uh, there's a lot of uh, research and plant breeding now going into improving the variety. So this particular one I brought you in is one called Bonita. 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 And it is the sweetest of all the sweet potatoes. So it's got fantastic, it's a a kind of light tan coloured skin on the outside. Yeah, because
0: a lot of them tend to be quite a deep, well they're a deeper colour. redder, or orange. Yeah, the orange colour. Yeah, it's very
1: typical of, atypical of, of, particularly the ones you buy in the shops. But Bonita is particularly sweet very good for children. So if you want to make your french fries with a lovely sweet flavour, then this is the one to grow. So it's a variety called Sweet Potato Bonita and the plants are available at the moment. So the plant I've brought you in is about six or eight inches high now at the moment. That's ready for potting on. You can see the roots roots coming coming out out of the bottom of the pot. So I would move that into something like a 12 or 15 inch pot, the size of pot that you grow a tomato plant in. Um, Ideally put it indoors if you can for the next five to six weeks um, you could put it out of doors after that but but the size of the tubers would be smaller so if you had a little uh, sun trap in the garden out of doors you could certainly try it it'll be a lovely novelty plant, particularly for children because it grows like the runner beans like the giant mm. uh, runner bean okay,
0: so it's quite a, it does, so very vigorous does it need a fairly big space then if one is growing well it? in
1: height it's going to yeah. grow to between four and six feet on and do canes
0: you need
1: some bamboo canes or it needs some Something to actually, a little bit of trellis work. Bamboos are probably the simplest way. Put a wigwam of bamboos into the pot and plant one or two of the sweet potato plants then into the container using regular potting compost I would generally enrich it with, with some of the slow-release fertiliser, okay. maybe a little bit of the swell gel, the sort of ingredients we use in hanging baskets and, and containers. And really after that, it's only a matter of watering it and liquid feeding it. Um, but it's just a novelty, something different, um, something unusual and particularly for people that like growing say tomatoes or chillies or cucumbers, mm. something a little bit a little different, different and a bit of a challenge than sweet is Well worth growing. But definitely the, the in Ireland, our climate suits them, particularly they're now growing commercially in tunnels and the crops are quite Heavy, yep, right. really so big-sized tubers. You get a
0: decent yield.
1: You do indeed, yeah. For your trouble. Absolutely. Mm. And, of course, sweet potato. They're lovely in um, potato. sweet potato, if it's used, mixed through ordinary potato, is absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I had a dish uh, recently. Um, Sorry, now I know you're talking food first thing on Saturday morning. But it was monkfish. And uh, the rather than regular type potatoes, there were sweet potato kind of chips on it. Yes. I have to say... Gorgeous. It was delicious, delicious yeah, yeah. They are, they and are. apparently they're not quite as calorific. No, they're, they're, <laughs> but of course, if they're deep fried, I'm sure that negates one, yeah. negates the well, other. But anyway,
1: <laughs> the actual potato itself is zero. I think zero fat. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really, really low. Uh, high in vitamin A, which is great for skin. Um, so it's, got, it's full of minerals, full of vitamins, very low. There is some carbs in it. Mm. But, if, but, but it's not as, yeah, no, if, if one
0: a, is watching carb intake, yeah. I think it's a better but look option. It, grow
1: them as a novelty item. Kids will love growing them because they'll, they'll look like runner beans. They'll look like the giant beanstalk. Uh, but then they're able to harvest the tuber in generally October. And my advice really when you're harvesting the tuber is to leave it somewhere in the greenhouse, maybe on a shelf or on the bench for about 10 days for it to dry. And it will store then right through the winter. So the sweet potatoes that you're purchasing in in shops at the moment have been grown uh, last summer and they've been just stored through the winter. So they store extremely well. Um, So they're well grown. They're a novelty item. They're available at the moment. And look for that variety, Bonita, Bonita. particularly because of the flavour. The sweetness is absolutely fantastic. So if you cook them as chips you'll have the sweetest chips ever. Okay. Okay, so there, they're, that's <laughs> what to be. Start planting sweet potatoes. Now, I have actually a fact sheet on the growing of sweet potatoes. It's up on my Facebook page. So if you go to Pori Corkin, I've got some pictures of, of the sweet potato, but also I've got a fact sheet there. And um, the fact sheet will also be available on my Twitter account. So if people go on, to the, um, go on to either of those, you'll be able to download. And it just I just explain how to grow Lovely. sweet potatoes. And this is the time of year. It's also, you know, time for planting tomatoes and chilies and cucumbers and all the plants that we mentioned earlier and they certainly can be I would keep them indoors again at the moment until about the second week of June and then start putting them out. Um, So definitely the planting of sweet potatoes the other thing with the bit of of moisture at the moment and particularly with significant growth I did mention it last week but In terms of feeding plants, this is the time of year now. If you haven't fed your hedging plants or your trees or shrubs and you want to give plants a bit of a boost, then this is the weather to get it on because the growth is very, very strong at the moment. I fed my own lawn again on Wednesday, I think it was, Wednesday or Thursday morning. I knew the rain was coming. And got it on and that's the type this is the time type of weather to start putting some fertilizer on so if you haven't put on your lawn application yet now is a good time to get it on particularly the feeds and um, if you haven't fed your trees and shrubs and general plants in the garden if you want to give them a bit of a boost then this is the perfect weather there's no point feeding them in july and august the growth Do has it. stopped yeah. at that stage so really this is the time to feed also if listeners have been planting up hanging baskets containers window boxes, that type of thing. Again, start the liquid feeds at this time of year because the growth is very, very strong at the moment. And the more vegetative growth you get on baskets and containers, the more flowers you're going to have as well. So continue to feed them about every uh, two weeks uh, at this time of year. plant that caught my eye, not only the laburnum, but I was just looking in the garden centre yesterday. There's a beautiful plant called the Chilean lantern. I think we might have mentioned it before on the radio. It's got the little lantern-like flowers. yes. Um, like a fuchsia flower like a big fuchsia like a big fuchsia that's a great way of describing them it's an evergreen plant holds the leaf all year round comes to us from Chile but it loves the west of Ireland and will grow generally about five or six feet in height and it's got these lovely hanging flowers on the plant at the moment and the, the buds and the flower embryos actually form in September, October. So they're sitting on the plant all winter long and they've just come into flower now. So It's a lovely plant. You'll see it in gardens at the moment. It's a really good time for planting them in the soil as well. So that's a particularly nice plant. The Chilean lantern, easy to grow. Gives a nice bit of colour. It's a good filling plant. If you want to fill up an area, it'll grow certainly five to six feet, maybe seven feet in height, and it'll grow four feet wide. And
0: do they just come in red or are they other? Just
1: ones? in red. There are there are other varieties of it, but the, the, the particular variety is a plant called Crinodendrum Hookerianum, named after a great plantsman, an English plantsman called Hookerum. Oh right. Or Hooker. Hooker, hooker. was right. his was his uh, surname. Hooker. Many and many, many plants. He actually was um the curator of the Kew Gardens for many years and he took over from his father which was interesting
0: okay so, so there was a, it a was great a,
1: lineage there yes. and a great plants man and a man that went to all parts of the world finding plants who went off to Chile and found and us it. the Chilean okay, we're <laughs> lantern we've, we've, tree we've a real
0: South American um, flavour to the rug So, it's, so it's, na- the, it's
1: named after the him the Chilean lantern yeah. and the sweet potatoes Cr- crinodendrum Hookerianum. so um, really yeah. nice plant it's a lovely lovely colour at the moment the other plants that caught my eye the, the apple trees are in full flower at the moment the, the apple trees are actually blooming brilliantly at the moment now we need a bit of warm weather to get our, our bees out and to get the pollination happening so hopefully tomorrow and the next couple of days will will brighten up. But it's also a good time for planting fruit in general. Mm. Uh, we mentioned the, the blueberries that the, somebody asked us last week That's about right, the yes. self-fertile mm-hmm. blueberries, blueberries, the darrow. But in general, the planting of all fruit trees, be it apple trees, uh, pears, plums, all the top fruit, and particularly the dwarf apple trees, the coronet family, they're very suitable for planting now. They do very well in containers, pots and containers on a patio. Um, you can get them in what we call a family tree, which is a variety which has two different varieties grafted onto the one stem so if you're really tight for space you've got the tiniest of gardens (laughs) and you want to grow an apple tree well then that's a great one the family coronet apples you get two varieties grafted onto one tree it does very well say, in a patio pot and they're in flower at the moment so it's a really good time to plant them and indeed fruit in general uh, lots of people are planting up strawberries for example at the moment and blueberries and all the soft fruit can be planted at this time of year so they're the sort of jobs you know certainly the hanging baskets window boxes I see a question this morning somebody was wondering can they put them out yet my advice yeah if you've got a nice sheltered spot because things are so mild at the moment but just
0: be still a little bit careful. Be
1: very careful the other thing to watch out for is there's lots of slugs and snails Pests, around yeah we're
0: going to give a pest warning really this well morning.
1: in particular the slugs and snails with the with the mild damp weather they're going to be feeding at night time. so keep an eye on your bedding plants yeah. and things like french marigolds and um, any of your veg plants keep an eye on those as well because they're very active at the moment Um and indeed uh, things like boxwood I've noticed aphids on on boxwood so they are white aphids that come on on your boxwood plants and your hedging you'll know that you'll notice the if you rub the plant your hand will come off sticky uh, <laughs> so it's yeah. a sure you'll sign you'll feel them you, you'll feel them there <laughs> and aphids in general excrete that um, it's where they they're sap sucking pests so they're taking the protein out of the plant and that's actually what's coming off in your right, hand it's the residue it's the residue yeah so it's a really good idea to check your roses to check a uh, new growth on plants, to check beech, for example, for white aphid. Again, you'll see it on the back of the leaf. So check for insect damage at the moment because nipping it in the bud now, Saves a bigger problem downstream, and also keep an eye out for slugs and snails. Yes. Use the organic pellets, um, or use the copper tape, or yeah. something that will actually. You have, you have a few up. options There's there, plenty of options where you want to go. It, particularly when plants are young, uh, hostas, for example, have come into are coming, or the leaves are unrolling at the moment. Mm. And again, it's this is the time of year to take some preventive antichem because once the damage is done, unfortunately, it's, it's, yeah, well, it, it, it magnifies as the leaf opens further. So you you know the if okay, you take so a hosta, so
0: right, so initially you might notice. And then, as it unfurls, it magnifies the problem. The hole
1: becomes from half a centimetre to a couple of inches. So, do take action now, particularly on on plants that uh, slugs and snails in particular uh, enjoy. And it's great planting weather. I mean, the soil conditions certainly have dried up but that bit of moisture allows you to plant so you continue to it's plant not. hedging plants or trees or shrubs yeah. it certainly is good, good planting weather
0: now you also have a hanging basket Saturday not no, yeah. next Saturday so
1: it's not this Saturday right yes it's the 28th of it's May 28th this day week which is this day week mm. and again remember I, I ran it uh, two weeks ago we yeah. had a great great response where people um,
0: brought in their their, their basket or whatever they what are going to use it doesn't necessarily and, and have to be Philadelphia a Philadelphia from yeah. Castle
1: Bar brought me in a basket that she had for 12 years so, so I planted that up and it was great and we had uh, we'd uh, other listeners that brought in containers and baskets so we're asking for people to bring them in so it's Saturday it's next Saturday Saturday, Saturday week is yeah. that right? This day week This day week and from 1 o'clock to t- and, and 3 o'clock on both sessions on the Saturday I'll be doing up uh, containers planting containers so if you've got a container you'd like me to plant up bring it in I'll only pick one or two from the right. audience yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we we'll do them up and we good fun the last time uh, doing them up so I just explained to people the type of recipes to use the type of compost and what to do with the compost to get best out of your the container and also pinching back of plants which people were gasping in the audience when I was showing them how to actually, what to do with the plants. When you're planting right. them right. to get them to so branch, and I suppose to we're,
0: we're, to fill out. we're always a bit reticent that we, take, that we might take away too much. Exactly. But yeah, but you tend to advocate.
1: Well, I just sh- I just show be, people yeah. how to do not. that. So that that's uh, this day of week in in Turlock in Castlebarrow. It's also in Sligo and in our Galway store as well. The guys will be doing demos there as well.
0: And do people have to book for that in advance? No, no, they can just, just come, come along,
1: along and, uh, we and have seen And area. one
0: or two will be picked out. One
1: or two will be picked yeah. out, but that's from one o'clock and three o'clock, and it'll be up on our website anyway, okay. hawkins. Um, dot. IE, all the information will be there or on our Facebook page. Excellent.
0: When do we feed camellias and daffodils? What do we feed roses with? Can we grow carrots in the greenhouse? And when are rhododendrons, when the rhododendrons and lupins are in flower, can we feed them? Va- Anne, good morning. Value
1: for que- yeah, value for money yeah, sure question. OK, so <laughs> things like camellias have just gone out of flower, just going out of flower yes. at the moment. And many of our spring flowering plants, like the flowering red forsythii, for Sithii, Magnolias, um, rhododendrons and azaleas will be going out of flower very shortly. Remember that spring flowering plants flower on last year's wood. So however well they grow this summer determines how well they're going to flower next spring. So feeding them at this time of year is critically important if you want flower buds for because they'll produce their flower buds in September and October. So yes, camellias should be fed now, rhododendrons, azaleas and all spring flowering plants. Even plants like flowering cherries, they're going out of flower nearly now, but again, feeding them with a high potash feed. So for plants like camellias, rhododendrons, azaleas you can get a specific ericaceous fertiliser, so it's specifically for them. So pop into your local garden centre, ask them for an ericaceous feed or a feed specifically for rhododendrons, camellias, azaleas and get that on now and repeat about every six weeks, from now to the end of July, early August. Okay. Yep. Roses again—they're summer flowering, uh-huh. so they're going to flower on the growth they make this year. So again, feeding is important. So you feed them now, and you feed roses once a month. So maybe put it in the diary—the first Saturday ex- of every month—and yep. that's each month judiciously, if you can, feed them. Put an applic—put about a handful of rose feed on them. That'll keep them blooming right up to Christmas. The other thing to do with roses is to watch out for the green fly and the black spot and prevention is better than curing. So again once a month at least put on something like rose. Whether you
0: can see it or not. Whether
1: you can see it or not because you're preventing the problem from coming. You can take it that your roses are going to get green fly or they potentially get black spots. So prevent that from happening in the first instance. Mm. So again something like Rose Rescue or Rose Clear applied every two to three weeks or once a month at the minimum. Right. Again you could do the the feeding and the, the spray at this on the same day. Um, so that so that's important. But roses and daffodils—was it feeding daffodils? Uh, no, that's
0: no? no, no. We'll come back to that. But
1: there's something uh, else there. Feeding Rod-
0: rhododendrons and lupins. Oh, yeah, in, lupins. Uh, when they're in flower, okay, can we so do that when they're in flower? Yeah, lupins
1: yeah. are coming into flower at the moment. Mm. They're going to be beautiful again this year. The flower spikes are just starting now. Rhododendrons are in full bloom. So again, you can use a specific rhododendron fertilizer on the rhododendrons, and then something like actually the rose feed or um, Osmo Pro Six would be fine for the lupins, just to give them a visual. boost boost. now Um, the other thing with lupins is do keep an eye out for aphids on lupins lupins have their own specific aphid oh right (laughs) Just, just for them and he's a big fat green Greenfly. And so, would you spot them? You'll spot them a mile away. Right. So you'll see it on the young growth. They are green, so uh, but they're quite large. And watch your lupins for aphids. So again, I would be advocating maybe put on a preventative spray because it, they tend to get them anyway. So if your lupins are doing really well, particularly if you're going to give them a feed now, you're going to be pushing on some nice new growth, and the aphids are going to love that. So put on something like PY spray or Bug Bug Clear. Bug clear. One of those, just to to give it give
0: yeah, give it, yeah, give it, yeah, it a yeah, little a little yeah. bit they're of a whistling.
1: They are one of the plants that are um, very attracted to the lupin aphid. There's a particular aphid that attacks lupins. Interesting.
0: And the final part four of the four, four in right. one was on this one. <laughs> can, can you grow carrots in the greenhouse? Oh, you can.
1: Absolutely. Now, keeping them very well ventilated, I would suggest go for some of the dwarf uh, stubby type um, carrots like there's a very good variety called early nantes that you could sow now. You can also grow the, the carrots in the greenhouse, use the green, greenhouse in the autumn and winter. There's a variety called Eskimo. Which is a winter carrot mm-hmm. variety, very good in tunnels and greenhouses. So when you're maybe taking out your tomatoes in uh, late August, September, you could you could have the carrots growing for the autumn winter period. So that's a variety called Eskimo. But certainly early nantes, there's lots of very good varieties available at the moment. And um, fly away resist um, resistor fly, all of those can be sown and you can sow them in the greenhouse, no problem.
0: Okay, we'll move on. Now, a couple of questions on lawns in general, but okay. here's a very specific one. Uh, a small lawn last year had some bare patches. It was reseeded. Uh, this year, though, it is worse. So okay. Bill, who has the question in, has dug it up. Uh, he's wondering, is there a problem in the soil that he might need to address before reseeding?
1: Well, a good idea for Bill would be to get the soil tested if you wanted to bring a sample of the soil into Turlock, into the Garden Centre in tu- Turlock, we'll get it tested for you. Okay, now it'll take maybe five or six days yeah. to get it tested, but we'll, what will come back will be the exact uh, if there's any deficiencies in the soil or if there's any pH levels that need to be addressed. So we'll actually do a soil sample and see what may be lacking in the soil and just test that for him. Um, generally when you see bare patches it can be things like um, pests, like leather, leather jackets, yeah, um, cutworm. There are various pests that can eat the roots of, of grass. Um, so maybe just to eliminate the t- the nutrient problem, mm. if he brings in a sample of soil, kind of an egg cup full of soil, drop it into the garden centre and we'll get it tested for him. We'll just see is there is there anything this Yeah, so well, particularly, particularly
0: if, if things haven't improved haven't from last a year, it might be. Year, yeah, 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 it yeah it it it'd be, like it'd be a bit, bit annoying if you went to year three and you still have the same problem. <laughs> yeah, it would, it um would. Would. If Somebody else has soil ready to sow on a new lawn. Uh, they're waiting for the rain. I don't and know if that's the rain there, to is. pass <laughs> or to, the rain to come. But anyway, do I need to add some fertilizer <laughs> well, before <laughs> you before we're sowing? Yes,
1: though. you do. And we always recommend putting on a pre seeding fertilizer because if you put the seed in and then try to feed afterwards, these grasses when it germinate is very soft and very susceptible to being damaged by fertiliser. Fertiliser by its nature is caustic so if you get a grain of fertiliser on a cut or a wound it actually burns so it's caustic by nature so it's better to get the the, the, the fertiliser in before you seed or on the same day that you seed because it'll take about a fortnight to three weeks for the seed to germinate so that's enough time for the fertiliser to dissolve and be available for the roots of the grass. So I would always put the fertiliser in on the same day or a day, be, day beforehand if you wish and um, in into the soil, rake it in, and then put on your lawn seed. Um, and this sort of the temperatures at the moment are excellent for re-sowing bare patches or resowing new lawns in general. Really, really good at the moment. We obviously wait for the 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 ground to dry up slightly. Mm. Uh, but a day or two will have it dry and ready for seeding.
0: Okay, what's the best way? Martin asks of killing a fuchsia root.
1: The poor old fuchsia. Uh, uh, well, what I would do is cut it back to soil level mm. and then you can expose with the bark, and this applies to any stump. So if you're cutting back any stumps and you want to kill the actual stump, just cut it back six inches from soil level, peel off the side of the bark and you can treat it with a treatment called SBK. SBK, so it's a brushwood killer. Sure. It's often sold as brushwood killer, but it actually has the big word, the big letters SBK written on the box, a red box. Paint that onto the stump the fuchsia is dead, it won't reshoot again. Because fuchsia will, if you just cut it to ground level it'll jump out of the ground again. Oh yeah, many, well there's lots of plants that will do that, poplars, willow, um, you know, it's, fuchsia in okay. particular. Uh, so cutting them back isn't enough, you actually need to kill the root because it'll just sprout back up again.
0: Okay, so if you're looking to get rid of them, they can be hard to get rid of. Yeah.
1: So SBK, put it onto the tree stump, now or into the stump of the plant now and you'll you, it, it won't reshoot again, it'll just literally die and rot away.
0: Now, thanks to Porek for the lovely baskets. We had them made and they're blooming very well. That's from Bridie and Noni and Bal. Good morning, ladies. Great, Um, doing well. And somebody else wondering, and I know we touched on this briefly already, uh, too cold to hang the uh, hanging baskets outside. Yeah, I wouldn't... yeah, I wouldn't hang are. them up
1: just yet. Yeah. I would keep them, as I said, if you haven't got a greenhouse or tunnel mm. then keep them in a nice bright sunny sheltered part because the wind can knock them back as much as anything else. So keep them in a sheltered pot. Have them sitting up maybe in a pot. If you had a, an empty flower pot, leave them sitting in that. Obviously put a stone in so it doesn't get knocked over. Mm. But have them sitting up off the ground in a pot. Leave them there for the next two or three weeks. Really until the branches start to hang down. You see a little bit of colour starting. Yeah. There's no benefit in hanging them up in their permanent location until they really fill out very well. So my advice is keep them in a nice sheltered spot, out of the wind, in a sun trap. Um, make sure you keep them watered uh, because it's amazing how quickly they dry out. Okay. And um, hang them up maybe in two or three weeks' time and start the feed programme that I mentioned. Put on the Osmo liquid feed now and do that every two weeks.
0: Now, how do I grow kale vegetables? unusually my kids love kale leaves but find it hard to get the kale in my local shops is it easy to grow?
1: Well it's interesting but kale is generally associated with winter Yes. uh, because it's so hard the curly kale particularly because it's so Mm -hmm. hardy and it comes through the winter normally you sow it in July and August it grows through September you harvest it then from October right through to the spring Uh, but interestingly enough I was watching um, Sean not Sean, uh, Rory Rory O'Connell last night uh, Dorina's brother and he was cooking with a black, what, they call, what we call black kale, which is available for the summer. Right. Uh, he was doing it in a risotto. Yeah, Did I think you, so. I, I, love, delicious. I, love, I love his cooking, I have to be honest. Well, he's, yeah. he's, he's fantastic. Mm. But he was using it in that. And um, so black kale is, uh, it, it's a little bit different to the curly kale in that it's it's kind of, uh, I suppose, spinach-like leaves. Very dark green in colour. Very sweet. Doesn't have the kind of... Um, the, the,
0: the, that kind of... Bitterness. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know how the yeah cur- the the winter kale yeah. can be very bitter. It's, yeah, this is a lot sweeter, and and children will love it because of that. Uh, so it's a thinner leaf, long leaf. The plants are available at the moment. You so you plant it out of doors now. You grow it like a cabbage, so it'll grow to about two feet in height. Long, slender leaves that you can easily pill off. Pick off. He cut out the midrib. Right. Just a little rib in the yeah. centre and used the outer part of the leaf and cooked it within two minutes, I think he had it cooked and ready to go into the risotto. Fab. Um So... Uh the question is, can I grow it for my the kids? Yes, you, is, you can. Yeah, is it
0: hard to grow? No, it's is not. It easy to grow. Yeah. So
1: look for the black kale at this time yeah. of year. Black kale, the plants are available as we speak. Um, the kids will love it because it's lovely and sweet. And if you plant it today, we're where we're mid May, so it'll be ready for harvesting about the middle of June, the okay, end of June. Okay, so just
0: four, weeks, four, yeah, four to five weeks turnaround.
1: Yeah, you can start picking the leaves then and you can use it right through to the autumn. And then my advice would be to maybe sow some of the curly kale in August. And you've got a succession then of kale coming right through, right. and kale again is it's fantastic in. Oh, it's
0: um, like a sp- I, you know, I I I tend to use that word superfood a little yeah. sparingly because I think it's overused, but it is definitely one of those where you know they're the full of nutrients. Yeah, it absolutely. is
1: absolutely yeah. yeah. So so look at the plants that are available at the more. Look for the black. I think it's it's called black kale. He had a different name on it, but anyway, black kale is is is, um,
0: is essentially what yeah. it is. Okay, and we could try the risotto. You could uh, try the risotto yeah, as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It could make a lot of work though. Boils <laughs> risotto is hard yeah. work. You have to keep stirring it. Just the Kale was certainly the easy part of it.
0: Okay. Mary's tail weed, a problem in my back garden uh, and on Pathways. Mm, what, jumping up, at the and when to use the control. Please. Well, look, now
1: is the time. It's it's uh, has certainly jumped in the last. It's about six or eight inches high at the moment. Miers for people that know, don't know, it is like a small little conifer, um, and it will come up through tarmac, Adam and gravel, and it'll come up through shrubs and all sorts of anywhere at all. It it actually grows in water as well. Mm-hmm. It's a plant that's. Um, I think I told you before. It goes back to the the the, the, uh, the prehistoric. The prehistoric
0: so yeah.
1: Um. So what do you do, use it? You can use uh, a product called Neardorf. Uh, tough weed killer, that's very effective on Maristail. tail. You'll actually see the picture of the Maristail tail on the bottle. Mm-hmm. So it's a green bottle of Neardorf. you mix it up in water and apply it through your sprayer in dry weather and that'll kill it down. Or you can use the other product I mentioned, the SBK brushwood killer is effective on Maristail tail as well. But now is the time really, the next dry day, go out treat it and that should see it off for this year.
0: Now Leona has a trunk of a big mature flowering cherry it was okay. cut back at the wrong time two years ago. All right. Uh she still thinks it'll make dead, a nice so, feature, uh, yeah, okay. I- if I, if she plants climbers through it, yes. oh, So yeah, the tree idea. itself, I think, in terms of being a cherry, is no longer, but uh, the other stump is still there. So what would you suggest? Uh, she'd like to include something evergreen. It's in an area where it gets some sun.
1: OK, so yeah. well, that's great. I mean, the the, you have the perfect conditions there. First of all, in terms of pruning cherries, when when the right time to prune them is after flowering. So now if you're thinking of considering pruning back a cherry tree, you always prune it just after flowering because the wounds heal up very quickly and it stops a disease called silver leaf getting into the actual stem. So never prune cherries in the winter. Um, so that's the first thing. So uh, in terms of climbers, well, look at this whole range of different climbers you could use. Um, I would tend to go for a mix. So if you want something ever evergreen. You've got plants like Clematis armandii, which is a nevergreen variety of Clematis. It holds its foliage uh, during the uh, winter. Mm-hmm. Long, leather like leaves with nice white flowers. Uh, there's quite a number actually of evergreen Clematis that could be used. You've got a plant called the evergreen Hydrangea um, Hydrangea Seamaniana. And that's quite good because it would actually self-cling to the trunk itself. So you wouldn't have to put any wire or any support up for it. It would literally root up along like an ivy okay. and then hold its white flowers. It would also give a foundation for other plants to scramble up through it as it were. So for example, if you put that hydrangea... Oh, so it kind
0: of acts as the trellis itself exactly. then once it's there. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it's so it hard acts hard as ever. a climber mm.
1: and it's evergreen. Uh, so it's hydrangea semaniana. it holds its leathery leaves all year round, white flowers, but as, as you say, it would act as a trellis work and then you could put other summer flowering clematuses or honeysuckles or climbing rose or anything like that and they would use it for support and also complement the flowering of the, the white hydrangea. So look at this, lots of really good climbers. There's loads of climbers available at the moment. So pop into your local garden centre and have a look at it. But maybe put in that hydrangea, the evergreen one, as a foundation plant to cover it. Or or variegated ivy if you wish. But the hydrangea is nice because it flowers and self clings, roots to the trunk itself without any support.
0: Question on scotch grass in a lawn. John asks, how does he get rid of scotch grass in a lawn?
1: Yes, and that's the you know, that's kind of one of the problems because the traditional lawn sprays that we use kill all broadleaf weeds mm. but don't kill grasses. So right. They, and they don't differentiate between a scutch grass and, and your nice regular grass. Regular grass. But scutch grass is that grass or it's often it, it's often mistakenly uh, called scutch grass. It could also be wild uh, meadow grass kind of annual meadow grass which are very strong growing grass. They look very similar. Um, and you'll know when you have it in the lawn because it's coarser. It tends to grow more vigorously um, and it tends to grow in patches yeah. and, and be more upright. Um, now, to get rid of it, you'll have to take that area, mark that area where the meadowgrass or scotch is uh-huh. and spray it with something like wheat free, which will totally kill the, all grasses and anything that, vegetation in that area, okay. but it doesn't contaminate the soil. Right. So you, you, you mark the patches, let them grow, don't cut the lawn for about a week or 10 days, allow them to, to grow, treat them with the weed free, it'll take about a week for them to die, and then reseed the areas. Okay, so. so you can, you know, it's do a bit them. of a
0: job then, really. It
1: is, it, you know, it is. Well, it's you're actually what you're, you're doing. You're killing off the grass. You're killing off that meadow grass yeah. that's there, or the cut. But the other the grass coach.
0: goes as well.
1: It does. Yeah. And you have to reseed, and this would be the time of year to do that. Sure enough. So yeah. if you're if you're anxious to get rid of it, otherwise you just put up with it and keep it mowed and keep it trimmed. Regular mowing certainly suppresses it because it likes to grow with a free rain. It right. likes to grow untrimmed. On, yeah So certainly regular mowing, and often if you rake it up with a lawn rake and cut it tight that helps to reduce the vigour but won't kill it um, so you're only managing it really The really the way to get rid of it is just to mark the areas treat it with weed free and then reseed about uh, 10 days or a fortnight later OK uh,
0: question on beetroot which I think we didn't quite get to last week uh, what's the best time to sow beetroot this listener finds it hard to grow
1: Well it shouldn't be. Beetroot is very easy to grow. The temperatures at actually the moment are perfect for sowing beetroot and the seed is quite large in beetroot. So again do the same tip that I mentioned for the carrots. When you're sowing beetroot open up the drill um, about three to four inches deep Put some potting compost, regular potting compost Mm -hmm. into the drill. Sow the seeds, spacing them about two inches apart because they are quite large, so it's easy enough to space them and they'll save thinning later on. And uh, just cover them over with a bit of compost. The weather at the moment is perfect for the germination of all plants, but particularly beetroot. There's a variety called Bolt Hardy which is a very good variety of beetroot to grow because it doesn't bolt, it doesn't run to seed. And it gives very good, uh, large kind of tennis ball sized beetroot. Yeah, Yeah. so it's a really good variety. So that's bolt hardy. I would sow them this weekend if you can and use that compost. Use the little, so open up the drill, four inches deep, three to four inches deep, put in a layer of compost, sow the seed, cover over with compost and they should be up in two weeks.
0: Fantastic. Uh, How does one get rid of wind bushes.
1: How do you get rid, rid of them? To
0: get rid, how to get rid, rid of winds. wind Oh no, I beg your pardon. How to get a wind bush to grow? It's the <laughs> <I> opposite. <Office laughs> I thought of you apologies, that Brian.
1: Apologies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <You> can't read. <laughs>
1: well, the thing with the wind, the wind bushes, I mean, they're dead easy to grow, and Yeah. you can, uh, you know. Now there are cultivated forms of wind Okay, maybe um, that's what we mean. There's a there's a um, the Spanish gorse, uh, Genista hispanica. Um, it lo- looks and feels exactly like a windbush. So it's small, it's prickly and it produces dark green foliage but uh, fantastic yellow flowers. So look for that variety, Genista hispanica. If you want to grow it in the garden as a kind of a, an ornamental plant, it only grows about two feet in height, two feet in width. So it's very compact, very neat. Um, and it, it makes a lovely, attractive plant this time of year in full flower. So that's Ginista hispanica. If you want to just grow the common gorse, you can collect the seed, in the autumn when the flowers start to fade you collect the seed from them sow them in a bit of soil and they'll grow that's, or the, lift, that's lift, the
0: yellow gorse you, you see it's the only wild yeah.
1: gorse we normally get a question in how to get it uh, so I didn't think there'd
0: be any difficulty in growing no, that no there's
1: no problem growing it or you could take little seedlings that are around the mother plant and lift those at this time of year and transplant them you take a good bit of soil with them they dislike being transplanted too uh, but when they're young they transplant no problem but be careful what you wish for because it can yeah, spread yeah. it can spread <laughs> you, you
0: know, might want to contain them as well bit you might bit. want to yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, when do we spray for blight in potatoes?
1: Well, it's it's a bit early yet, um, and you know, again, I was actually talking to somebody during the week. Their potatoes are about to foot over the soil. Um, you know, blighty weather. I suppose it's it's we're kind of getting at the moment when you get lots of uh, moisture mild temperatures, and blight starts to knock around. So generally from the first week of June is the time to start treating potatoes. And again, like the roses, prevention is better than curing the problem. So put on the um, bare blight control, um, again, about once a month, generally. is If we get into a very warm, dry summer, the risk of blight is isn't minimal. It's, it's all about zero, the moisture. It's all it? about the moisture and mild temperatures and particularly prolonged wet weather. So when you get a day or two of rain with very mild temperatures like we're having at the moment, the moment to be yeah. honest. Um so, you know, if you wanted to be extra careful you could give their give the plants their first spray now and then repeat every maybe three to four weeks and that'll keep them nice and clean.
0: Now, Seamus has a white thorn hedge planted and right. he left spaces to plant something in between for colour. Right. Would you have any suggestions? Uh,
1: okay, of course we would. Um well what could you grow? If you want to grow as a kind of a natural hedge row, um You could consider some of some beech. If you want it, if you you could put in either the green or the purple foliage beef, uh, beech for leaf colour, uh, and it'll have the colour right through till October, and the leaves wither then and stay on during the winter. You could also put some flowering plants in. So there's a plant called the Gelder rose, the viburnum. It's a wild viburnum which, you've planted now, it's actually coming into flower at the moment. It lo- looks really well in hedge rose and does very well. Some of the shrub roses, the wild roses, Rosa rugosa, or any of the kind of um, dog roses, they. They've got lovely big purple flowers this mm. time of year. Brilliant in hedgeroses, very, very tough, very wind tolerant. They don't suffer pests and diseases like our common roses, but are very good in hedgerose and, and look really well. You could use some of the wild fuchsia that we mentioned lovely, earlier. Yeah, absolutely. um You could also use a plant called Euonymus alatus, which is um, the spindle bush. And again, it's a plant that we'd often associate with, with wild hedgerose. It produces flowers in the summer. And fantastic little uh, red berries in the autumn, really uh, very very colourful berries in the in the autumn that the birds just love, and it produces fantastic autumn colour. So the leaves go a, a brilliant orange and red for the autumn. Mm. So there's lots of hedgerow type plants. Plant a few honeysuckles. Yes. Wild honeysuckle would be lovely. In through they'll scramble in through the white thorn and whatever else you put and in. A lovely bit of you're, scent. For yeah, that and as again, well. so you're kind of mimicking what we would see. Holly would be another option you'd mimic what we see in the natural hedgerows um, and white thorn will, will grow quite happily with lots of other plants around it.
0: Now, bindweed starting to present uh, a problem for people. How do we get rid of it?
1: Well, our bindweed is related to our, our, sweet, our potato, sweet potato. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so how do you get rid of it? Well, you know, the bindweed, as, as we mentioned, tends to wrap itself around other plants. Now, I would, to get rid of it, like, like our sweet potato, it actually has a very fleshy root and um, spraying it when, it when it's quite small, you don't necessarily get a really good kills. So ideally, if you can let it grow for another couple of weeks and then treat it with something like weed-free, or you could use the Roundup gel, you know, the gel that yeah. we mentioned before and just paint it onto the foliage of the um, convolvulus and that will kill the old buying weed back as well. Um, or, you know, if you can kind of redirect it to grow out, say on a pathway or on bamboo canes where you can actually exclude it from plants. If it is growing around plants, um, then it makes it easier to spray it and treat it. So the weed-free you, you'll find effective or the Roundup It'll gel.
0: Now, I have a forest flame in my garden. My neighbour seems to have a redder-leaved version.
1: Oh. <laughs> right, a bit of competition <laughs> going on there. Is this a
0: different it? form of forest flame? Well,
1: they've been lovely. <laughs> they for the look last, great, yeah, they fantastic do. fantastic <laughs> for the last month or so. And, and if anything, the, the, the forest flame is probably losing a little bit of its colour. Yeah. There's a variety called Pieris Katsuru. It's a Japanese um, variety of uh, forest flame or, or Pieris. They're all Pieris family. Forest flame is the lovely orange uh, Pieris that, we, that has been colouring through April and, and the early part of May but it's losing its colour now Katsuru is, is a Japanese variety it's got brilliant red foliage and the interesting thing is that it holds the foliage colour late into the summer so it's probably a better variety to be honest okay. um, so I can see the, the uh, eye of envy uh, uh, you know because it, it, it is a nicer variety so look for that in, in the local garden centre that's Pieris Katsuru, lovely variety if you like Forest Flame yeah. you'll love Katsuru because it actually carries the colour later right into maybe August um, you'll oh, have that you red have foliage a, you have yeah.
0: kind of longevity with it
1: it's evergreen it holds, it holds the, the, the leaves yes. go from red to green it holds that in winter and it produces a nice white flower um, so that's so the one to it, look for. That's so what the neighbour has. Pieris Katsura. Pieris Katsura. Katsura. yeah.
0: Now, good morning to Coach, who just uh, texted in to say how much she enjoys the programme. So thanks indeed for that, Coach. Um, now, my boxwood pyramids have a lovely shape, but the top right. leaves are going yellow. Shall I feed them and with what?
1: Yeah, well, this is a time of year in general for feeding plants and also boxwood. You're growing it for the nice green foliage, so it mm. will benefit from a bit of a boost. One thing to watch with box, if they are going yellow or orangish in colour it could be boxwood blight which is a disease of, of boxwood um, and you can treat for that so you can treat it with top box which is a tablet a little blue tablet you mix it in water you apply it onto the foliage of the boxwood and it um, it feeds it but it also corrects the there's a fungicide built into the treatment right. so top box put that on now this sort of weather would be ideal to get it on and in general you can give a, a, a dressing of fertiliser make sure you keep it out well out from the main stem sprinkle it around the base of the plant and let the rain wash it in
0: Now, what feed would you recommend for hanging baskets and window boxes that are planted with geraniums and petunias?
1: Okay, well, anything with high potash, so you could use now liquid feed. So um, ideally when you're planting up containers, use some of the slow-release fertilizer into the compost mix anyway, because your traditional compost only has about a five to six-week feed built into it. So it's a good idea to add some of the granulated sl- slow-release fertilizers um, when planting them up. And then I would use something like um, Osmo Universal is very good. Um, We mentioned it before, I think a litre does 200 yep. litres of mix, so it's quite a good one. Um, or anything with high potash level, high K levels um, so um, you could use Baby Bio do one actually one at the moment as well a flowering uh, Baby Bio liquid feed as well and again every two weeks keep the liquid feeds on them and that keeps them blooming well into the, to the autumn early winter
0: Now my dahlias are starting to grow what's the best to feed them with and how often do they need feeding I put 10-10-20 on them a month ago
1: Okay well hold back in the 10-10-20 because you'll end up with lots of leafy Uh, dahlias at the expense of flowers. Um, What I would do with dahlias, uh, again, first of all, watch them for slugs because the slugs just absolutely love them. The second thing I would do is when they're six or eight inches high, pinch them back. You can actually just take about an inch of the top growth off each of the stems. And that encourages the stems to branch and produce more flowers for you. The other interesting thing you can do with dahlias is to take cuttings of them now. So when they're about four or five inches long, if you take the young cuttings, uh, young stems, put them in a little bit of rooting powder and put them in a pot. They'll actually produce a new plant for you. So this is a good time for taking cuttings of dahlias. Um, So pinch them back certainly. Watch for the slug control. That's very important with dahlias. And the other thing is to feed them with, again, a high potash feed. So a rose feed or Pro 6, a granulated high potash Mm -hmm. feed. So stay away from the 10-10-20. It'll just drive the foliage mad. Uh, They'll be a lot more attractive to the slugs and you'll end up with a floppy da uh, yeah, with lots of foliage. Yeah. So uh, better to put on a rose feed would be good, or Pro Six, Osmo Pro Six would be good as well. Granulated feed just around the base, of it. with any of the granulated feeds, make sure you keep them away from the stems. Keep them out at least six to eight inches from the plant. That's where the roots are.
0: So rare, so because good. otherwise okay. you
1: run the risk of scorching.
0: Okay, so it gets down into the roots rather yeah, exactly. than...
1: Yeah, so, exactly. Well, the, the feeding roots of all plants are... Out. Pretty, yeah, they're well out. They're at least six, eight inches out from the plant. So don't go throwing it right into the base. You're only going to damage the stems.
0: Porrick, I have daffodils in pots. Can I take out the bulbs now and put them away for next year?
1: Yes. Well, what I would do is actually plant them somewhere else yeah. if you can. Um, so in terms of lifting daffodils if they're in your way, if they're in pots and containers, if you need to move them or you need to split daffodils, this is the time of year. So if you've got a bunch of daffodils and the foliage is dying back, you can literally dig the whole clump up, divide them into two or three, transplant them elsewhere to other parts of the garden or give them away to family and friends Mm. if you've got them in pots and containers you can plant them out into the garden where you want them to flower next year Um, so rather than just storing them if you want to store the bulbs then leave them till about the middle of June so allow them to die back keep watering them give them an occasional feed as well because they're building the bulb up for next year and then once we get into the middle of June the foliage will have died back naturally and then you can save the bulb you can take the compost off and save them but I prefer to plant them where you'd like them to flower next year. Um, so and this is a great time in general with bulbs, bluebells, snowdrops, any bulb that you want to split and move elsewhere. This is the time of year to do okay. it.
0: Okay, I was actually I was walking during the weekend. And I noticed one of my neighbours they, they always have lots of lovely flowers. Um, so they had daffodils earlier in the year or in the springtime. Um, so obviously the heads are all gone now, Um the stalks were still there. And they kind of had them. Um, Bent they over. had them in a yeah, they had them in a knot. Yeah. In, on each one.
1: Well, you can do that tidy them up. Yeah,
0: off. I, was, I was, Well, then very organized. And but I said oh that's very interesting yeah. I wonder was there a specific reason or just no, for no, tidying it's,
1: purposes it's A to st- so that you're not cutting the foliage mm. away you're allowing the natural process of the energy to return Turned to the bulb down. this is the time year you feed daffodils yeah. to build them up for next year but it's really just to help to tie them up you'll mm-hmm. often see people will bend over the stems right. as well and put an yeah. elastic band on them okay. or anything yeah, like that to just like, to tie just like, t- like
0: if it had a little ponytail on them, yeah. it, so, yeah. well, th- you can yeah. do
1: that with them just to yeah. tie them up if us. you've got the time and you're, so, you're well organised <laughs> they're well organised I think but certainly in terms of moving transplanting dividing i all of that kind of work. Yeah. This is the time. Move them Move them in the green as we say it. Okay,
0: lovely. Uh One or two more very briefly before we go. Um Kathleen has apple trees that the snails seem to like. Is there
1: snails? Well, the snails aren't. They're like ourselves. They're like a broad diet of, of different food sources. So the leaves, of course, are out on on the uh, apples at the yeah. moment. Slugs will often eat flowers as well. So, um, and particularly with this sort of weather, they'll scramble up the apple tree, they'll eat the foliage, they'll eat the flowers. So, you know, now on the On an apple tree, a bit of slug damage is not going to uh, irreparably damage the plant. I would be more concerned with plants like your dahlias, your hostas, your vegetables, the softer ones. A slug sitting on a a tree or a shrub is going to do minimal, no damage really whatsoever. So it's really just on tender, small plants that you need to take um, some action. And so focus on those plants that are more tender or softer and, and let the slug, wander off to the the apple tree, he he won't do any damage to it.
0: Okay, finally and quickly, can we put bark mulch on flower beds without a membrane?
1: You can if you wish, but remember, because it's in contact with the soil, it's going to break break down faster and quicker. But it still will give you very good uh, weed control. So you could put a two or three inch layer on top of the soil and that would work without the membrane perfectly fine. And if people are feeding, people often worry about bark or gravel, don't go scooping it back. You can literally put the fertilizer on top of the gravel and And it'll wash through.
0: Okay, lovely. We're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Thank you very much indeed. Until next week again. Until next week. Well, I'm actually not here next week, but right. Viv Brennan will be oh, in he's the seat. Yes, all right. Well, that'd be <laughs> so a big thanks to Viv for getting up a little bit early next Saturday. I'll be back in two weeks' time, though. Pork will be here next week. I'll be, I'll be here uh, Stand by. Michael Neary coming your way directly after the news at 10, which is on the way next with Angelina Nugent. Until two weeks' time, a very good morning to you.